Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, Head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Glad to be with you after an awesome weekend and a historical day for female hockey for Newfoundland. I guess yesterday was Uh, professional women's hockey league, WHL, had their first draft last night this league seems like it's here to stay i mean it hasn't started yet but this is what professional women's hockey have been waiting for for a long time all the best players um well most of the best in one league had to start somewhere six teams i believe were I don't know the selection process, actually, but six teams that should have a good fan base. I'm sure that eventually there might be talk of expanding beyond that. But I mean, who uh, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think this is going to stick. I'm really excited. And I'll tell you, the biggest reason I'm excited is for Newfoundland's Maggie Connors, who got drafted by Toronto in the 11th round, 62nd overall. 11th round, of course, when there's six teams is still fairly high. 62nd overall would be a second-round pick in the NHL. So, Maggie, congrats. I'm going to have Maggie on real soon to talk about, well, getting drafted, her cluing up her career at Princeton as 
the 12th all-time leading scorer, one of the most successful players, male or female, in the history of Newfoundland hockey. Real exciting. And the timing's great. Maggie came along, and just as she graduated from Princeton and had a little bit of experience uh, with Team Canada, got her feet wet there last summer, uh, you know, she's off and running, uh, you know, soon to start. I believe the league starts in a few months. I could be wrong on that, the scheduling. I had Andy Petrillo on. We were asking that and on the Jason Greger show. So, again, congrats to Maggie. And, uh, yeah, as far as the Jason Greger show, I'm hosting there, just so you guys know. I mentioned it the last three or four pods, but I still get questions. Hey, Terry, when are you going to go on? I am on Mondays and Thursdays. 6.30 Newfoundland time, which would be 3 o'clock in Alberta. Uh, I go on for two to three hours, at least two, and uh, I co-host with Jason. And it's been interesting. We do talk hockey, obviously, but, uh, you know, yesterday we had Trey Ford on, the Edmonton Eskimos, the Edmonton Elks, sorry, keep saying Eskimos, force of habit. The Edmonton Elks quarterback, who I'm not going to say turned things around for them, but definitely is a fresher breath air, a fresher breath air, a breath of fresh air. Uh, given that the Elks were, there was a lot of uncertainty and certainly negativity surrounding. Well, I mean, they just lost a lot, right? And the record number of losses at home for, I think, a North American franchise in any sport. I could be wrong, but it was right up there. Going by what I read, what I hear. And uh, But what I do know is that Trey Ford really turned it on. Good Canadian kid. His brother plays for the Green Bay Packers, Tyrell. None of this I would have known if I didn't have to interview the guy. So uh, on Mondays and Thursdays in the afternoon, I get a list of this is, this is five things we're going to talk about, guys. And then uh, these are who, who we're going to interview. I've interviewed Warren Moon, Henry Burris, Andy Petrillo, Haley Sullivan, Trey Ford, I've only been on, I think, four or five shows so far, but real interesting, and I love keeping keeping a tight line of communication with my friends, fans, and listeners in uh, Western Canada, specifically Edmonton. I've spent a lot of time there over the years, as I've mentioned, so that's awesome. And, of course, you can get the show on YouTube, and I believe any other platform you get podcasts, but I know you can get it on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, live, and then, uh, you know, it's uh, it's saved on there, so click on any time. Really enjoyable. But to get back to it, you know, here's what I think about the PWHL. Uh, I'm excited. I, I think we all need to give it a chance. It's It's not easy for a lot of reasons to start leagues especially at the highest professional level for the female for a female player you know there's no higher now there's no ifs there's no is this league professional are there players going to go and actually give? I mean, Maggie Connors is, is going to be playing with Natalie Spooner and then some. But for me, I 
I watch Natalie Spooner a lot. Obviously, she's one of the biggest international stars there's been in the game. Well, you know, Maggie gets to come in and play with her now. Like, uh, you know, and her, and her, be a professional. Kind of like when I came in, I guess, and guys like Shane Corson or Vincent Domfus. I mean, it would be the same, wouldn't it? And I know that the league's going to is really getting a lot of attention. The draft last night is the first draft of its kind that I remember. I mean, I know the other women's leagues, the CWHL, I believe it's called. I believe Sarah Davis from Newfoundland was drafted there just eight or nine years ago. But there was definitely less of an impact as far as media coverage. I, I don't know that it was the outright best women's league. There, there were kind of iterations of professional women's hockey all over with varying I, I don't know that each any had a union i think uh brian burke is going to lead the players union or at least help do that that's what i hear on the female side in the pwhl anyway i know that there's europeans coming over to play like this is it right so i don't know if you've ever heard bill burr talk about the wmba and he says you know for all these people that you know, that, that whine about the female athletes not getting a chance. And now finally, here it is, the WNBA. And, you know, he does a bit on it. He's like, you know, I bet none of you guys can tell me five players. And I bet you can't name one player in your own city playing in the WNBA. You battled for it. People did. All these activists, I'm sure some feminists. I mean, what's that equality? I mean, I, I, I support it as well. Not only feminists, but, you know, a lot of people that made the uproar aren't supporting it. So now enough of us, at least in Canada, I know that we watch. I mean, I, I can speak for me, my friends. If there's a big international women's game on, we watch it. Right. I, I can't say it was always like that when it came in the early 90s and they were wearing pink. I, I, I can't say that I, I was a big fan right away. But over the years, it's it's definitely, to me, evolved into a very exciting game, and some of our best athletes are playing it. I mean, I had Tessa Bonham on here. To hear her talk about her experience in hockey, her passion is no different than mine would be, or, or an NHLer right now, or an international player right now. Except mostly what you were seeing from the women, at least in the media coverage. Like it's a good thing Tessa won the Olympics in 2010 if not less people would know it's a good thing she's got national international championships or i should say international because we watch we follow that well look these girls deserve some sort of a fan base i think let's give it a chance but for me that's it a newfoundlander maggie connors went to the jesus what's the name of the team in toronto Okay, let's let's read this. Let's look it up. You'd think I would have heard. Yeah, okay. So PWHL team names will be announced before the league begins its inaugural season. Okay. Three teams each from the USA and Canada. Uh okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay, so it's Toronto. We don't know the team name yet. I guess okay. Not that they don't have some options. I believe Judging by this article that I'm reading from The Athletic, uh, just the first thing I clicked on, but I, I guess they're they're building up some of the, yeah, potential team names, Boston Slashers, Toronto Icebergs, Montreal Saints, 
Ottawa Raiders, New York Warriors, Minnesota Monarchs. So we're going to wait. I guess they're, you know, they're building up some hype. Why wouldn't they? Right? Maybe reveal a jersey, reveal the name uh, before the league is set to start. And uh, I'm to understand that will be Okay, okay, so this particular year, it's going to start a little later, but beginning in 24-25, which is a year from now, the PWHL is scheduled to open each November and run through May, followed by playoffs. Okay, so generally, generally the same schedule as most professional leagues, at least here in North America, and pretty much in Europe as well, from what I understand. So November to May, and, you know, why not? So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to... Uh, Follow the Toronto team, watch highlights. I mean, when I can, but I'll take in most of them for sure. Support Maggie. And I believe that way, I think, you know, basically I'm, I'm saying, I'm recommending. If you want to get into it, if you want to support the girls, if you pick a team and generally watch the highlights and stay on top of it, you, you'll probably absorb a lot of the other names throughout the, you know, just by osmosis alone, just watching the highlights, right? You'll figure it out. And I think I think they deserve that. I can honestly say I haven't done that to now. Um, I've supported women's professional hockey in speech on my podcast. I've had Maggie on. I've had Tessa Banam on. Um, I've had Vic- Victoria Matiash on to talk about it. I've, I've, you know, just off the top of my head. But I've never really, and I've I've seen highlights, and I watched. Whenever I possibly can, the international game. Yes, I do. I, I mean, I love watching hockey. We've got one of the best teams in the world with Team Canada. So, of course, I watch. But even then, it started, okay, I'll support the women. Then I kind of got into it, right? Well, I believe the same will happen. And I, I, I definitely, I know it's going to be a decent product. I mean, it's what we watch in the international. I mean, most of these players are Canada and the U.S., even so. Some players from Finland, Germany, Switzerland, from what I saw yesterday, they're going to be playing. And that's now, right? I believe that just a little bit of time and this league evolves into uh, a very, very electrifying product. That's what I think. And I think it's going to, you know, the NHL started at six teams. It was a long time ago, but I I believe that it will evolve. I think it will expand. I know it's real early. There hasn't been a game played. But uh, I don't know. Given the hype, given the positive, the positivity, you know, it's really positive. Uh, especially maybe maybe from my eyes now that I have a 13-year-old daughter, not that she plays hockey, but uh, it's just given me new perspective and worldview. And uh, I think it's time. And... But I'm also, I'm, but don't get me wrong, I'm also of the belief that if you don't generate fans and money, then you can't complain about making less. You know, I'm just saying that that happens a lot. Now I hear a lot of, I, I, I don't want to get myself in hot water when I support this, but you know what I mean? Like a lot of female leagues have said, well, why do the men get paid more? Well, I don't might not necessarily. How can I put this? Because there's more fans. 
There's more people paying. There's more of an audience on television. Obviously, supply and demand, right? I mean, this is business 101. But what we can do is support it and make sure that they do get fans, right? I think the the, the union in the PWHL already has a, a minimum. I, I know Maggie will make it, be making a decent dollar. I forget what exactly. Here, I'll look it up, actually. Why not do the research? Okay, a minimum average salary of 35000 with an average salary of 55000 uh, they have a collective bargaining agreement that includes a housing uh, ooh, a housing allowance uh, amongst other benefits that uh, players could only dream of a decade ago. So it's according to cbc.ca. So that's not bad, right? Like, I mean, you got to start somewhere. I know it's not close to what NHLers make, but, I mean, if you can't see the reasons, then you're being ignorantly blind. But at the same time, right? Look what happened with women's soccer. I mean, when it comes to uh, the international game, Team Canada female, they have a point. They do generate, often generate as much or more of an audience. They're more successful at times than the men's team, right? I, I do see, but that's different. Now you are generating. So I, I'm not just one that thinks we need to gift a league to an organization that has no good plan on marketing that doesn't have a base of fans. No, I don't think you should just be gifted something, but I don't think this is the case. I think the league has a great plan. I think there's people involved. I mean, there's legends involved with this league. There's, and I don't mean just players. I mean, one of the ownership groups is Billy Jean King. Are, are you enterprises, whatever it is, her company, I mean, she's a major, I guess, legend is almost too, I mean, she, she's a pivotal player in women's sports evolution in general, not just tennis, not hockey because of this, just, you know, it's a big name. The ownership group, I know, has a lot of money and is very positive. Talking to Andy Petrillo, who'll be covering it last night. I mean, they've got, it, it seems to me, just judging by the media circus yesterday, that a lot of people are on board. A lot of media covered it that definitely was, weren't covering women's hockey just a year ago. Right? So this is exciting for a lot of reasons. And I do think this product will generate some money. And I think this will be the lowest I th that the salaries will be. 35000 minimum with a 55,000 average that sounds a lot to me like the american league when i played in it um i was on a two-way first three years right you couldn't I, I got the most that you could get and that was 67.5 us and at the time i suppose which translated into almost 100 canadian um but Unless, yeah, I mean, you could be sent down from the NHL, of course, in one way. Or after that first three year, there was different levels of contracts. But for the moment, I remember Sean Thornton. He'll tell you all about it. I think he told it on Chicklets. He was making 32 Canadian. That was his third year in the league when I played with him in St. John's. Um, not that the women's league is the American Hockey League. It's not the same at all. I just mean that there are 
are a large group of male professional hockey players that graduate from junior or school, wherever it would be. And when they get to pro hockey, that's what they have to live on. And in the American League, we didn't get anything for housing. We did in the East Coast League. So I think the women have a great place now to start. And people like me and you, whoever I'm talking to, can I don't think it's that hard to just pick a team, watch some highlights, maybe buy a shirt or a hat, and if you're in town, go to a game. I you know, click click the next day on the highlights. So the interest is logged, I guess, you know, send like, whatever. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, if, ever, if even just a little bit, if even just, you know, one day a week, check in and see how your team's doing. Minnesota, Boston, Toronto, um, you know, Detroit. These are hockey cities. And uh, I just think the sky's the limit. I really do. I, I meant to say New York, not Detroit. Um, to reiterate, the teams are in Boston, Montreal, New York, Ottawa, Toronto, and Minneapolis, St. Paul. Awesome hockey cities, man. Um, and I'll tell you this. When I'm in Toronto, I'm just not in the other. Well, Montreal. You know what? I'll just fucking support it. I vow to go to... If I'm in one of those cities and there's a game, and I will be, I will be. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be in Ontario for a few reasons. So I'm going to go to a few games for sure. Start there, see how I like it, buy in, you know, maybe uh, I'm sure we'll cover it a little bit on the Jason Greger show. Um, buy myself and my daughter, like I said, T-shirt, hat, whatever. I don't know about a bumper sticker, but you know what I'm saying. I will be a definite, a true supporter of the Toronto team and by extension the league so good luck to those girls good luck to maggie connors i wish you guys all the best and i think you have as good of a business model as i've i've seen and uh i think that we're in for not only a successful league but this will mean an awful lot in the evolution of women's hockey in general so congrats to maggie connors and congratulations to everybody involved with getting the PWHL off the ground. It's come a long way in a short time. Good luck. Second, album pick of the week. So I'll tell you, I'm a classic rock fan, as you know. Although I absorb all, well, most... <laughs> genres with an open mind and open ears but when it comes to, meaning I, I love classic rock but I often when I get in my playlists or I get my CDs I still yes I still use CDs in my cars just so I I, 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 I like to keep them and use them and I find it's a it's a course in patience using your CDs Right? Take them out. You can't just skip, 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 skip. I mean, you can, but there's only 12 or 13 songs, whatever, how many. But it's not like having your Spotify open or whatever. So I try to sometimes, like I said, go for a drive, put my phone away. And rather than say, pick up 
Green Day Dookie and only play Basket Case and When I Come Around and She, maybe my favorite songs, I listen to the whole thing. And then you absorb not only the beats that you like and the songs that you like for the millionth time, but you take in the time. It brings me back. Oh, yeah, I remember driving to Tri-Cities and Tri-Cities listening to this. You know, I remember, oh, yeah, that's when myself and Mark Hurley went down to the mall. And I remember that day I bought a, you know, a silver, a cool jacket that I wore for a couple of years. You know, these memories will come back a little bit like time travel. And even if it's not for that reason, it's, you know, everything is now, 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 more, 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 right? Clip, 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 TikTok. Although I, I don't get the appeal of TikTok. I don't. Um, it's not addictive to me. I find it ridiculous. The more, I mean, I was convinced to get on this a couple months ago. I'll throw things out there. I've seen things on TV, how addictive TikTok is and everything. I'm going, this is the things that are, I, I find it a, an, an absolute waste of time. Not even like, if, and it's, what's the difference with Instagram and reels? And isn't it like the same? Maybe I've just been dealing with Instagram for so long, and I find that to be, you know, a quick fix of entertainment. I find even YouTube, you know, at least a video, you can watch a video or something. Um, but any, anyway, anyway, I'm getting away from myself here. In any case, playing an album or playing a CD, if you're true to it, and just play, let it play. You're listening to all the songs, you're absorbing it, and you're removing yourself from this world of instant gratification that most of us live in due to the very social media I talked about. So that's first. But I find when I'm picking those CDs, I'll always tend to go, okay, um, I want as many great options on the sale. So I'll pick like the Stones, 40 Licks, or the Beatles, um, one, or I, I, I don't know, Springsteen, born in the USA or whatever. I find myself often picking the same music because I love it. So once in a while, I just go in and I randomly pick with my eyes closed, right? And so the other day I came out with Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? And this is as good as anything I've got. I, I just, for some reason, I, I, I don't think... I was always a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. I mean, I really do like him. And I'm mesmerized when I watch him play. But just listening, I find it a bit heavy, drawn out. But I do like it. And it's been so long since I'd listened. I was like, this is fucking brilliant. So, and again, the context. And you know, the only reason I, I went, I... I forgot that I even had the CD. To be honest, I was I was rereading Eric Clapton's book, just an excerpt. I don't I don't I find reading a book from start to finish is a nice adventure, but to me, when it's closed, it's closed. But I make notes, right? When people ask me, do I read, why do I read the same books? I, I mention that I don't always read the same book though, cover to cover. When I read it the first time, I make notes. I'll like highlight or I'll write on the page or whatever it is, and then when I go back to you know before I go to bed sometimes, you know, I need 10 minutes here of reading, you know, put me to sleep or whatever. I'll just break out one of those books and I'll say, so I, I broke out Eric Clapton's and he was talking about Jimi Hendrix and how Jimi Hendrix, I think it was 1967 when he came onto the scene, 
pretty much with are you experienced right like but a year even a few months before that i don't think anybody outside of locally in london knew who jimi hendrix was but this album has blues funk psychedelia rock I mean, it's almost undefinable and it's so, I don't know, like for me, it's like jazzy and it's rocky more than anything, but then there's R and B and I don't know. There was just, I, I find it groundbreaking now. So at the time it must've seemed, and with so much coming out, this is at the time of pet sounds from the beach boys, um, sympathy for the devil, uh, the stones, um, you know, the, the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper. It was, uh, there was a lot being achieved sonically, musically, with a lot of these bands. So when I look back at that time, The Who, I love The Who. Um, I love Motown. So on the other side of the classic rock, there was Motown happening in Detroit. And w amongst all of that, what often gets lost in the shuffle is Jimi Hendrix. So... It isn't polished. It's almost raw, um, ferocious. And I don't know that many other albums changed music in such an underrated way. There was so much happening again at that time. I mean, Woodstock had just, I mean, the, the 50s were Beaver Cleaver, very uh, structuralist, right? Don't grow your hair too long. Dad's going to go work at the factory. Mom's going to cook dinner. Brother and sister are going to be happy. They're going to have pomade. Brother's going to have pomade in his hair. The, sister, the sister, a nice dress for school. We're not going to step outside of any boundaries, right? Well, that was the 50s. In the 70s, you had people like David Bowie really pushing the parameter with, with um, cross-dressing, um, uh, what's what's the word? Uh, creative, like stepping outside Ziggy Stardust. You know, David Bowie, it's, it's uh, like uh, concepts were being played with. It became this entertainment. David Bowie was as much of an entertainer than, you know, he, he was as focused on his image and his creativity and relaying a whole like the song represented something bigger it wasn't just radio pop right so all that was evolving in the late 60s there was so many new influences that hendrix often gets lost in the fucking shuffle so i recommend are you experienced the songs on that album uh foxy lady for sure most people will know that of course are you experienced purple haze the Wind Cries Mary, and my favorite on the album, Hey Joe. Now, there you go. It's not for everybody, but, um, I mean, even if you're just interested in history and music history, give it a little deep dive. What I said really is the surface. If you really want to look into it, Hendrix was wild for a lot of reasons, and it's just something that I, I mean, it's underrated, and I am as guilty as anybody else 
when it comes to underrating it. Now, I'll tell you what's funny. A few years, not funny, but I, I, when I was in university, uh, uh, it was 2012, I guess. I remember being in a, it was um, history class, third level history class. And the teacher was really into it. And uh, he, he used to keep bringing, the prof was really into it. And he, he used to keep bringing music into it, into the teachings in class. So there was, I didn't even know about this and it made no impact whatsoever on, on, on the music at the time. But in 2000, okay, so it was 2010, looking now. There was an album come out called Valleys of Neptune. And it was recorded before Hendrix passed away, obviously. But I guess they'd just been in a vault for that long. Usually when that happens, I'm like, you know, we would have, for the most part, you probably would have released it or it would have been unearthed before this because it's not very good, you know? Like, the more they release of Elvis, the less impactful it'd probably be. At this point, we probably have most of the recordings of Elvis that we want. Uh, you know, if we find some other basement tapes, probably going to be for a super fan. And I might be one of them. But I don't think we're going to find, like, a new hit single that's as good as Return to Sender or Jailhouse Rock that was just sitting there, right? But in this case, it's my favorite Jimi Hendrix song. The album is called Valleys of Neptune, and the song is called Valleys of Neptune. That that I I mean the, the album's okay, but the song Valleys of Neptune on the album, <laughs> Valleys of Neptune, is my favorite Hendrix song. It really is. I don't know if it came out in 2010. It has nothing to do with Are You Experienced? So I'm recommending Are You Experienced? If you like that remotely, if you like the sound, check out Valleys of Neptune. I recommend it. It's a nice little nugget of classic rock that came out way later than it should have in 2010. So there you go. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with promo code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, the crown is yours. Again, that's promo code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, L.A., 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Uh, a few people have asked me what I think of Mike Babcock. Okay, so I don't want to get too far into this, guys, because um, I'm guessing that if you people listen to sports, you listen to hockey, even if you just watch CBC or, or wherever, 
I don't think they covered it on regular networks in the United States, but I saw it here on CBC, meaning it's, it transcends sports, okay? So for those that don't know, Mike Babcock, who was hired by the Columbus Blue Jackets and was already on shaky ground because of things that happened. Well, his past is littered with accusations, not, not like of the sexual kind or the really violent kind, but of the mental bullying kind, okay? The people that have actually played on a team with a coach with similar traits know what I'm talking about. It's not a good place to be in with a player, with a coach trying to win mental dominance over you one way or another. Power. And I had one of those, Michelle Tyrion. But again, that happened to me. My experience with Michelle Tyrion was at the turn of the century. So I don't know, the guy, it's a long time ago. And I assume, I hope that he changed. I hope no one judges me on exactly who I was in 1999, 2000, 2001. But Mike Babcock has had a history, and they knew that going in. They get him down there. But he's been a great coach, okay? I think most people I'm talking to know that. He's, I mean, probably Hall of Fame. I mean, he, as far as, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. If, if you just took his winning in Canada in 2010, it's probably the top three or four teams ever in the history of Canada that he coached that won home soil, Sidney Crosby, 2010. I mean, you got to put it up there with Lemieux in 87, with Henderson in 72, right? Crosby's 2010 led by Mike Babcock. And, and that's after taking the Detroit Red Wings to... I don't know, revisiting their glory days. I don't know how many they won in a row back when Gordie Howe played, but, you know, the, the Red Wings of the late 90s, um, early 2000s, won three, I'm just off the top of my head, three Stanley Cups and many appearances in the conference final or the final. And my buddy Danny Cleary is one that really, like, Mike Babcock paid off for him, right? Mike Babcock came in. Cleary was pretty much written off from the NHL, for lack of a better way to put it. I think I'm speaking out of turn there. I'm looking for an opportunity. Danny went from Chicago to Edmonton to Phoenix. It wasn't working. He went to Detroit, whatever it was with Mike Babcock, showing confidence in him, helped him. Right? I mean, you think of all the players that he coached. Lidstrom, Eisenman, you never really heard much about it. But now who am I to fucking say, but, it seems to me that those people are leaders, as were Boone Jenner, Johnny Goudreau, and Columbus. And they came out and said, hey, what happened? Sorry, he was he asked players to see their phones. The reasoning he said was to share pictures, to contribute to our, you know, energy as a team, bring us together, unity, whatever. But when I first heard it, it seemed optional for the players to do it. Now Biz Nasty broke the story, spit, spit and chicklets, give him his credit. And it turns out that maybe some of the younger players, that wasn't the case. They were uncomfortable. And he took the phone from what's being reported and, like, fired through it himself. Now, I'm a 46-year-old man that, believe it or not, is fairly organized. I try to be responsible. But I don't want anybody, not my daughter, not my parents, 
not my best buddies, not any girl acquaintance, nobody seeing my private messages, my private pictures, my private fucking anything. My phone is locked. It's locked. It's for me. And if anybody tried to take advantage of that, that's some form of bullying mentally. That's, that's mental. It's just trying to win power over the situation. Have something on you, right? Whatever it would be. There's lots of reasons, but they all center around power. Now, I met Mike Babcock. He coached against me. I've known players to play for him. I have never really heard these things. I mean, I've heard that he's a hard ass, but this is fucking terrible. There's a story about there out there about how he sat Mike Medano from playing his 1500th game. That's bad enough. I thought that was isolated. I'd heard it before. But the more and more you hear, a few years ago, he had an incident with Matt Marner, which is pretty much why he got ousted from Toronto. So you'd figure that he was over all that. Now, if I'm Columbus, I just don't want it. There's enough coaches out there. Isn't there? There's enough coaches. I don't know why the NHL is like the last league out there that has to keep hiring the same people. I know they've had a level of success, and for the most part, a lot of them are good. Would I hire, fuck, I don't know, uh, Gerard Gallant? Yes. Bruce Boudreaux? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, there are certain coaches that deserve to be recycled because I get it. You're coaching in a, one of the hardest leagues to coach in. You got to rapport with the players. Sometimes you get fired just because there's a losing streak. I don't think the players in Vancouver fucking hated Bruce Boudreaux. I really don't. Or, or fucking Washington, for that matter, But when he was there before. I mean, he took him to a Stanley Cup. But sometimes it's a losing streak and a change of culture. But I don't understand why we got to keep bringing people in that have got a history. Mike Babcock, and what did he do? When did he go to Columbus? The minute that his contract ran out with Toronto. You know, they've been paying him for a few years. I know he signed the most lucrative deal in the history of coaching, in the NHL anyway. And again, to me, he seems, and I've heard he's a great coach. Like he must know, much like Michelle Terrian, who I had, great coach. Really was. I mean, if, 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 if okay, I'm saying as far as X's and O's, knowing the game, running drills, running a bench, outside of the mental bullshit, sitting guys to, you know, because you got something on him or some shit pulling you in the room like he did with me, smoking, telling me to get the fuck out, smoking on the bus. You know, with Mike, you never really knew where you, Michelle Terry, and you never really knew where you stood. Um, every coach is different, but there was a, there was a level of that fucking power to it that, that, you know, I don't know. There's just a lot of similarities. So I don't know. In my experience, like I said, with Mike Babcock, I've spoken to him. He coached. Spokane when I played in Tri-Cities. We played them like fucking 20 times a year. I'm not kidding. Played them 14 times a year in our division. Then there was usually playoffs and exhibition. You know, we're sick of playing those guys. When I went to the American League, he coached Cincinnati. He coached my buddy BJ Young. Right? Everybody knows the story me and BJ. God rest his soul. Um, he coached Jason Padolan I've had on this show. Right, He coached Brian McCabe in junior. I remember McCabe. I don't know McCabe very well, but I remember going to an all-star game with him, and he said, yeah, he's a great coach. So now I'm not saying that 
anyway, so apparently in Columbus, Boone Jenner and Johnny Goudreau came out and said, no, there's no problem. It was just, we were just sharing some pictures. But what I sense is that there is no problem with those guys, just like there was no problem with Eisenman or, I don't know, Darren McCarty or whoever, because bullies don't feed off the king of the food chain, right? They go lower to the rookies, whatever it might be. When this happened with Mitch Marner, it was like his second year in the league, right? What he did with Marner, he went in and said, who do you think on the team like doesn't work hard or needs to work hard or whatever, something like that. And, you know, Marner was put on the spot, told him, then he came out in the meeting and said, well, according to Mitch, so-and-so, you're not working hard. That's basically what happened. Um, and so these are tactics that shouldn't be in the game. It's not hockey. It, it, it takes away from a person's confidence on the ice and off the ice. It's a slippery slope. Once that gets let go in a few months, it's let me see your fucking phone or you know, the next time you take the phone, oh, what are you doing here drinking? That's August. You should, you know, we know, I, <clears throat> it's hard to speculate exactly, but you know what I mean. It's blackmail or it's power or it's whatever. And that turns into something else. Like I said, Michelle Terrian called me in for a meeting one time. I sat there, he smoked a cigarette. And at the end of the cigarette, he told me to get the fuck out. There was no words spoken. Now, what, what am I supposed to think of that? I'm Montreal's first round pick. My first year in the American League, Eight games into the year, something like that. I don't even know if it was eight games in. It's one of my first meetings with him. Now, what would that be? That's a big fucking fuck you burger or just plain what the fuck burger. But what is it? And I remember coming out, man, and talking to people going, what just happened? And a sizable portion of the team who'd played for him in junior said, oh, that's just the way he is. He's just trying to get one up on you. You know, he doesn't like people who celebrate goals. He doesn't like jokesters. He doesn't like anybody with egos in the room. To me, to be a good player, you need somewhat of an ego. You know, it goes with confidence. I mean, I wasn't in the room. I'm not saying fucking beating my chest saying I'm the best player around. I'm saying ego, like, you know, I'm fucking Terry Ryan, first-round pick. Bring it on. Where's the puck? You know? Not to the point of, fuck, I should be on the power play. But if I'm not, I'm going to work my way back there. I mean, ego in a self-confidence, positive sense. But Michelle would be more comfortable at the time if you were beaten down as a player and you needed him. And, you know, there was... The core of it was nobody's bigger than the team. I agree with that. But I also agree with letting personalities go and making people comfortable. I'd be the type, uh, I, I don't coach pro, but, you know, I'm not a hard, when I coach, maybe it's from going through that. You know, I, I try to be as open-minded and try to be positive with people. I, I, I prefer positive reinforcement. Now, some people need some structure and they need the opposite. But there's a happy medium. And I believe that, Mike Babcock broke it immediately, too, immediately. So now will we ever know the specifics? Not really. But judging by the fallout of this, the NHLPA looked into it, right? Um, 
and their findings, I mean, it was almost swept under the rug. Their findings were that, you know, this isn't good. And uh, he resigned. I think he was forced out, you know. Uh, basically, yeah, he was forced to resign. But look, all I'm saying is that people have asked me everything from what do you think of the situation? I think it's ridiculous. I think you could have probably seen it coming. Uh, when when the, a major organization like the Columbus Blue Jackets hires a guy like that, I assume they vented. Their, I, I assume, you know what? Okay, I'm all about second chances. Mike, is it, he had me convinced. Mike Babcock is one of the best X's and O coaches ever, right? But for every reason I just told you guys, from Danny Cleary to fucking multiple Stanley Cups to Olympics, I've got every reason, if he is reformed, to think, hey, why not? And I think we all assumed that. But now looking at it, right, he went to Columbus when? I mean, all this talk, I don't think he ever did really apologize over the years. And all this talk of being reformed, I mean, what was that? He waited until his contract was over, almost to the day, and then signed with Columbus. So maybe there was no reforming. Maybe it was just all lip service. But... You know, a lot of you ask, will he be back in the NHL? I mean, he shouldn't, but I, I can't rule that out, man. Because things, I mean, let's see, 60, 61 years old. I can't see someone with such old school tactics being there after 70. But, you know, 63, 64, 65, in a few years from now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it wouldn't be me hiring him. But you're asking me, do I think he'll ever be hired again? It wouldn't be me, but yes, I do. I don't know NHL. I mean, you would think that that, that door is closed, but I mean, I, mean, I don't know. He's been coaching the last few years. Okay, so I just looked at HockeyDB. He wasn't coaching, but it says right here, NHL.com, he worked as a volunteer advisor at the University of Vermont in 2020-21 and coached at the University of Saskatchewan in 21-22. Now, I don't think it'd be too hard if I'm a journalistic media member, a little deeper than this particular Tales with TR podcast, if it was my day-to-day -day work, if I work for The Athletic, or a reputable paper or whatnot, I would immediately look into that. Okay, what did the players think in Vermont? What did they think in Saskatchewan? Right, what was his tactics there? I know that it wasn't just Columbus. I think he was pretty close to signing with the Rangers. And judging by media reports, you know, there were there were other options as well. So teams knew about it. About his tactics, about you know, they had every opportunity to interview him. You gotta figure that he flew down to these places and he went through a you would think a rigorous venting process, but maybe not. For me, any smart like I remember Michelle Terrian being he was a bit manipulative, right? Like you know, it was easier to do it then. But I just remember thinking, like, and other players, I won't name them. 
honestly, most of us didn't like him. I don't know what people say this many years later. A lot of people are still involved in the game, might have actually have to work with him, you know? So I don't expect everybody that I played with to come out and tell you what I tell you about Michelle Therrien. But trust me, the vast majority of the team did not like the guy. And didn't like is an understatement. Many would be like, fuck him. I hope he gets hit by a bus. Like, had you pulling your hair out every day. I hated life. I called my parents more than once that year and said, I'm getting the fuck home. Fuck it. Fuck it. I'll take the money I got made and I can do a lot of things in school. I can go to law school. I can do whatever. I remember those words coming out of my mouth. But my dad going, Jesus Christ, you're second year in the American League, man. What are you doing? And I just hated it. I just fucking hated my life. I hated it. And he was the reason. There was nobody else. He was the reason. Him. One person. Michelle Therrien. I want it out. Now, I'm not going to fucking trip over my bottom lip, but indirectly, I want it out so bad that I finally, when I got out, I busted my ankle and I fucking finished it, you know, a, a pale shadow of myself and never fulfilling my potential in the NHL. I'm not going to fucking complain about it because you know what? I should have been more mentally tough. I also should have maybe taught, told the GM. I should have even told him. That's the thing. Babcock pulls you in to do something like that. Like, Tarion, like, I should have said, look, man, what's the fucking problem here? Now, Michelle, I know you don't like me and I don't like you, but how can we make our lives better by just tolerating each other? Now, I can give you this. What do you need? I can give you this, Mike. Just don't treat me like a fucking clown. Don't treat me like a punk. I want respect. Now, if you give me that respect, you'll get it out of me. You got no th reason to think otherwise. Every other coach, every other teammate has all said that I treat them with respect. I'm a good teammate. Now, why are you treating me like an asshole, Mike? But I didn't. I didn't do that. I either kept it to myself. Might have murmured it over beers to teammates. Definitely on the bus. But, you know, I just didn't. A lot of people didn't. And now I guess a lot more do. I don't want to make this a thing about Michelle Therrien. I hope this doesn't come out. I, I, I put that to bed years ago. It's not about me. It's not about him. It's a relatable story I got about Mike, Mike Babcock. And I find it not, it's not, not only disgusting and not only sadly expected, but it's disappointing. Because I've looked up to him. You look at Hockey DB. My entire Western League existence, he was the coach of Spokane, our arch rival that we played all the time. Right? I, how many conversations? I remember lots of conversations. After the game, I don't know, when the teams are packing up to leave. I remember in Spoke a couple times, we had a meal there before we went on to Seattle or Kamloops, wherever we were going. And I remember him being nice enough. Like he came down, like he shook my hand a couple times. I couldn't get it. Couldn't tell you, couldn't solve you and Lankow tonight, TR. Hey, I remember him asking me about Newfoundland. I remember again, Cincinnati um, playing against the mighty ducks. He was there, you know, like in my experience with Mike Babcock, he was nothing but respectful and cordial, nice, but uh, even uplifting. But again, he didn't coach me. So for me to give my opinion 
about Mike Babcock in this situation, like assuming like, like clinging to what kind of a guy he is, is irresponsible because I would have told you he's a good guy. I would have told you, judging what I know with hockey, fuck, he's extremely successful, which he is. And if you if you had asked me before the Mariner thing or or without the Mariner thing or this thing in Columbus, I would have said, yeah, man, he seemed like a great guy. I don't know. He, my buddy Danny Cleary fucking made a player out of him, but I don't want to be ignorant to Danny, but certainly rejuvenated his career. He was already a player, 13th overall. Uh, you know, rejuvenated his career, got him a Stanley Cup. Danny doesn't seem to complain. Mike was nice to me, coached against me, never sent anybody after me. You know, not that I didn't fight, but I don't. I got no reason. After games, he gave me praise more than anything. I had no reason to say anything different. But these findings are alarming. And if I'm a GM of a team, which I fucking won't be, but I'm just saying, do I hire him? No. And I've got good experience with him. I don't hire. I don't hire him though. There's too many of these stories, and it's not stories of making a mistake. It's these constant strategic bullying things. You know? It's like I always found it hard when a player got traded because of mistakes he made on the ice. I'd much rather trade the fuckhead. You know, because a fuckhead is a fuckhead. But a player that's out there that's giving you everything, especially if he works out in the gym and he studies and he watches video, or she, talking in my experience, he... um they're probably going to get better because they're working at it. And how can I sit there and yell at somebody for making a bad pass? I mean, come on, man, it's life. What I can do is if you come in fucking hungover on game day, right? Or you're not on the power play and you throw a fucking fit or you constantly start fights with other players or you steal something out of the room on somebody, those are things that get you fucking out of town. But not like these mistakes. And confidence is everything. And I used to look at guys, man. I was one of them for a bit, but I used to go like, fuck, man, like so-and-so coach is hard on this guy. Like we're in the NHL. Or we're in the AHL. Like he didn't get here because he sucks. Clearly, he can't make a pass now D to D, but it's because you're in his fucking head, Michelle. You know, I remember a kid, uh, well, I remember my roommate, Miloslav Guerin, another guy we had, Gennady Razin. They were good people, good good players. They were just so, like, the, the, the puck was like a fucking grenade. They were terrified to make a bad play. Plays that you wouldn't make in Adam hockey. So clearly it wasn't that they were, you know, it's clear that the problem wasn't that they didn't know how to play hockey. You don't get to the National Hockey League. You don't get to the American Hockey League not knowing how to play. You don't get to Junior A not knowing that shit. So clearly, I mean, we'd be in practice and they'd be bobbling the puck and making plays that a fucking seven-year-old wouldn't. Don't keep yelling at them, Mike. Don't call him. Call him in the office and call him punks and bullshit. You're going to send them down because they suck. Those words would come out. I just always found it. What's that saying? I don't know what it is, but you catch more bees or flies with honey than salt or whatever the fuck it is. I agree. I, I think, you know, now everything's not peaches and cream and 
fucking rainbows and participation awards either. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a happy medium. Bob Lux was a hard ass on me and Junior. Alan Vigneault was pretty hard. Um, you know, Mario Tremblay. I've had some coaches, man. Uh, John Oliver, Kirk Tomlinson, Gunnar Tomlinson. These weren't easy coaches, but they weren't, they didn't make you feel like a piece of shit. Right? They didn't make you feel like an asshole. Stan Drulia was my coach, my last professional team I played on in Orlando. Greg Bird Dog fucking Smith was my coach. These guys are professional. They're fucking no nonsense. But they don't treat you like a piece of shit. Bird Dog would let you know if, 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 he, if you were fucking around, especially if you weren't trying hard or you didn't finish a check or like you jumped out of the way from a block shot or it was anything effort wise bird dog would fucking lose it but i didn't mind that's uh like a tangible not not tangible but but that's clear to me and you you're going to be fair if if I, to me if i don't work hard like i came here with my gear on i don't want to waste everybody's time now you should get on me not in the way of asking me to see my pictures in my phone though right and not to call me an asshole because i did something on the ice but maybe you know Pick it up, Ryan, for fuck's sakes, or I'll sit you out. That's not a problem to me. But smoking and telling me to get the blowing it at me and telling me to get out of your office or calling me a fucking asshole because I took a bad shot on the power play, that's not going to get you anywhere. Now, so I really, that was just commentary. I don't know the answer to this question. What are the questions you asked? Um, will he be back? I don't know. I do think he'll coach again somewhere, yeah. I mean, he was the last couple of years, right? And we didn't even hear much about it. Um, last thing I'll say, someone said it's a hockey culture thing. No, it's not. Craig Button said it had a great comment yesterday. It's not. It's not a hockey culture thing. It's a culture thing. There's lots of people in every walk of life that think like Mike Babcock. It's not hockey culture. Even at the worst of it, when no one was reporting it and there was people like Michelle Therrien and Babcock and, I don't know, Mike Keenan and Bob Hartley, all of who, I'm heard, who I've heard were experienced being real hurt. It still wasn't part of the culture. It was their fucking method. There's always been good people out there. Right? There's always been. I don't hear much bad about Scotty Bowman. I don't want to, you know, he would be considered the pinnacle of coaching success. No. Um. You know, I can go down the fucking list. Ken Hitchcock, he's part of that group. I haven't heard him trying to rifle through phones or tell tell people they're pieces of shit. Right? It wasn't just always culture. Hockey culture might have been part of it. But I think you could go to any fucking sports league. If you go back far enough in the 80s and 90s, I think there was more people like Mike Babcock in baseball, fucking soccer, wherever. Soccer, Spain just won the ladies' World Cup. And then the fucking, you find out the GM's a creep making out with girls right after the game that didn't want it. The coach got fired. He got fired. That's not a soccer culture thing. That's a guy being a fucking predator, right? This is Mike Babcock being a narcissistic, power-loving dictator. 
It's not hockey culture. And the more people speak up, the more it won't be hockey culture. But um, where do I stand on it? I don't know. I wouldn't have him back. Like I said, my experience with Mike Babcock hasn't been a bad one. But if this is true, and by all means, it is, if he fucking forcefully resigned, that's fucking embarrassing. It's puke-inducing. It's cowardly. And it's unacceptable. And for that reason, he's gone. End of story. I'll be back, folks, just a couple days. Possibly Maggie Connors. I really, really hope that Maggie has the time to come on. If not, I've got some great guests uh, in queue. Kevin Colley, interesting story. Um, broke his neck years ago. Played uh, had a cup of coffee with the Islanders. Brad Lukowicz reached out and said he wants to come on, get his word out there. I'm, I'm excited to see. Because I wonder what happened to this guy. You know, he's part of my my era, and I know he was fairly tough. And I, I know a lot of people who knew him. And uh, I, I wondered what happened to him. But, uh, yeah, he broke his neck and he stopped playing. So, anyway, it'll be one or the other tomorrow or, uh, I guess, uh, Thursday, Thursday, Friday. So, that's it. If you're downtown St. John's and you want to have a beer like I did this weekend, I literally had at least one beer at each of these places. And some of them, too many to remember. Trinity Pub. Why not? TJ's Pub. Give it a try. Rob Roy Confusion, wet your whistle. Martini Burr, it's grooving. Green Sleeves Pub, food, folks, and fun. And the Bull and Barrel, best little hole in the wall. This side of Vancouver, Mu music bar. Did I mention Trinity Pub? I know what I didn't mention and I should have is if you're going for a bite to eat in St. John's, why not head down to Blue on Water, Merchant Tavern, or Wedgwood Cafe? Great food, great fun, great people. Check it out. If you want to change your motherfucking life, you want to get in a motherfucking positive mindset, you go to motherfucking Ryan Power on Rope Walk Lane, Power Conditioning, Strength and Balance for the Body and Mind. Pitbull Pain Relief, the pain sticks that just don't quit. Pitbullpainrelief.com. Check it out. See what all the fuss is about. I use mine every day. If you want to go to Mr. Lube and you're in St. John's, why not go to Cor Torbay Road? Why not go to Camount Road? Live, laugh, lube! And of course, true hockey, take what's yours. Folks, I'll be back in just a few days with Maggie Connors or Kevin Collie. In any case, I'll be back and I'll have more stories. I'll catch you guys on the rebound. This has been Tales with Tiaras.